Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. It's Roscoe here, your host, and as always, I really do appreciate you taking the time to tune in. Today's interview is with Lisbeth Pauls from Amsterdam in Holland. Now, Lisbeth is one of Europe's leading golf-specific strength, conditioning, yoga, and movement experts, and her commentary is widely sought after. She's appeared in magazines, regular contributor of articles, podcasts, you name it, in Europe, she's been featured on there. So that, to me, says that she's a wonderful person to get some knowledge and get some insight into the world of golf-specific strength and conditioning. We're all looking forward to getting back to golf, especially if you're in Melbourne. So now's the time to start limbering up because it's not too far away and maybe there's some information on Elizabeth's website, maybe there's some inspiration on her Instagram and maybe there's something in this podcast. It's a very timely podcast because strength in golf is a, uh, a hot topic, especially after the US Open where obviously Bryson's a shambo and you can't have a strength and conditioning conversation without talking about Bryson. Well, Lisbeth and I recorded this before the US Open and she's got a wonderful take on Bryson's approach to strength and conditioning and how we can all benefit from that. You have to listen in to get that. Her attitude and her uh, enthusiasm towards life towards doing yoga towards being strong to being healthy and having a great mindset is infectious i really hope you enjoyed the interview and go and look at some of the resources that lisbeth puts out there for free they're really alone worth the read enjoy this episode jump over to itunes tell us how you feel leave us a review send me a message send lisbeth a message really would appreciate it thanks for listening i'll see you next time on the mile of a podcast Elizabeth Powells, welcome to the My Love of Golf podcast. How are you, Elizabeth? All the way over there in Amsterdam. <laughs> Hi, welcome. Good morning. Um, I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Thanks for reaching out and thanks for connecting with me. And the work that you're doing in the golf fitness space is something that I know my listeners are very interested in learning about. Um, I'm personally interested in learning about it. It's something that you know I try and incorporate into my life. So you know, I just thought it was a great opportunity to talk to someone in another part of the world, another hemisphere. And uh, from what I read and what I've learned from, you know, doing some research, a leading in that space in your part of the world in, in the Northern Hemisphere in Europe. So, Lisbeth, how did you get into the world of golf and golf fitness? Where did that all start for you? Uh, well, thanks. Thanks for the introduction. Uh, but I started to play golf um, when I moved to Spain, um, when I was actually born in Belgium, in Bruges. And then my parents, uh, we moved to Spain when I was around 12. And I was actually very passionate about horse riding. I did a lot of competitive show jumping with horses and didn't want to play golf because I thought it was really boring and there was no action and no, um, yeah, you know, it, it was just so different from the horses that I was used to. And um, yeah, well, my dad got me into a lesson and eventually um, going along yeah, with him for a few lessons, I found a little bit of fun into it and soon started training more, practicing more. And with that also, yeah, I started to develop a little bit of a passion and a little bit of a enthusiastic vibe more because I, I noticed when I hit the ball, like so pure and so clear, it's, uh, it just felt really good, you know, and I never thought I would 
enjoy it because then as a young girl I thought golf that's nothing for me it's so old and you know <laughs> I want action and but I, I actually got this the the thrill that I guess every golfer can you know understand that pure clear sound of that ball that you hit and it just it just strikes a nerve and you just so it's so addicting did the did the thrill of the golf hitting that hitting a really good golf shot equate to the thrill of launching a, a beautiful horse across some you know equestrian barriers or doing that sort of did, was there any similarities there did you feel yeah there was, yeah I, I felt that kind of same uh thrill because you train for it and then it just doesn't always happen but when it does it just like uh, affirms that what you've been training is is going well and um yeah that really yes yeah that really uh lit me up as in like performance wise which i was used to from the horses do you still so, do equestrian do you still ride do you still ride i i don't ride i coach equestrians cool. um yeah nowadays as well but in the end, I got a little bit of, I got some mental and physical setbacks because then I started to train a lot and putting a lot of hours into training on the range and on the course. And eventually just my body wasn't taking it and my mind, I got very overwhelmed. Um, I had lack of confidence on the course and it all happened then when I met my coach who was a, um, it was like an ice, it was a guy from Iceland and a real Viking. So <laughs> he was super strong, super tall. He had the, those long blonde hairs and like, yeah, a real Viking. Mm. And he was already way ahead of his time by also of, um, integrating some training, physical training in his programs with uh, with his juniors that he was working for and I just really clicked on that side like he was yeah he's already saw golf as a sport mm -hmm. and so what, that, when was this how long ago was this yeah that was when I was uh, still a teenager around 14 15 years yep. when I was so old and I just that just really clicked for me and he also helped me to get into the gym and he, he told me you know get into the gym you will get super strong you will yeah get rid of maybe some of the aches and the pains that I was having a little bit of I had some shoulder issues and injuries and I got improved in that but also in in confidence you know I felt like going to the gym at the age of 16, it was, you know, it was weird for me, for young girls to be in the gym at that time. But I just really enjoyed and clicked with, whoa, this golf game, we can, he approaches it, approaches it as if it was a sport, it's a performance. And I yeah, just, that was my click. And I really liked that. And um, through that, felt like I gained confidence on and off the golf course and then yeah dreamed of eventually also being on the lpga playing big tournaments that was eventually my my dream was that dream what took you to you know get onto um playing golf overseas or playing or going to college overseas was that part of that plan yes it was partially but it was also um since i grew up being uh around sports all my life you know horse riding and golf then ended up being my two biggest sports but 
my family and everything we were big in sports and I've always been interested in that I also wanted to pursue a degree that was related to that because I was passionate about it you know I read all the books when I was 16 about uh, biomechanics and sports psychology that was a that was my thing. So I knew I had a drive to compete, but I also had a drive to dive deeper into how to learning how the human body works and how to train it and yeah, train it in a way that it's ready to, to, to perform for sports. So that's why I ended up going to uh, UBC studying kinesiology there. And um, yeah, from, from there, it all kind of happened very organically in the sense that I um, went to train with the team, but also felt like I had a huge thing that I had to learn a little bit more about the culture. It was, it was such a big difference from Spain to Canada, being on my own, the expectations, <laughs> the huge amount of studying and also wanting to improve with my own game, I reached out to, um, to learn about how to train for the swing. And I met up with Jason Glass, who's, um, who ended up being my mentor for the next, and it still is, you know, um, from that moment. And I uh, assisted him during our team, team sessions, team gym sessions at UBC. And uh, yeah, it just, I felt, Oh, I can help people while I'll also while I'm also learning about the game and I can help them to train better their body and there's there's maybe other people that struggled with you know uh, some injuries lack of confidence and maybe I can help those and I learned that in the end a lot of golfers struggle with yeah. similar things so yeah it, it all just happened very organically so when you were working with the team so we were supporting the, the boys and the girls team at UBC yes because it was it was super small uh, yeah. the team so we always had uh, I remember 6 a.m Wednesday morning gym sessions because yeah the golf team was super small we had to um, use what we've you know what they've given us so we trained, yeah, every morning, every Wednesday morning, 6 a.m. And then, so after, after uni, when did you fit the, you know, did you keep playing your golf? Did your golf career get to a point where you thought, you know, the pursuing my dream of LPGA isn't going to happen or it's going to happen a different way? When, what happened then for you? When was that, you know, light bulb moment that I like to sort of say, well, my vision and my future and my purpose now is, you know, this golf-specific fitness and I can really make something of that to, you know, take you where you are now? Well, yeah, I didn't actually have a specific moment in time where I realized, whoa, this is, you know, is going to be my profession from now on, mm -hmm. because I, I, you know, I try, I still try to play, but um, I just felt like, I mean, I didn't enjoy it anymore because mm -hmm. I was putting so much pressure on myself to perform within, you know, the norm of what everyone expected of me and myself. Um, but at the time, I was also putting a lot of energy into learning and studying about human movement and, and the swing. So yeah, you, your game stops evolving. From, from there, I just realized, I think, slowly that I let it go of, you know, playing on tour, playing competitively and started to dive into the other side as a coaching side and 
I saw what my mentor with Jason Glass was doing and I also realized, whoa, like, whoa, this is also what I want to be doing. Yeah. Um, I had a huge, yeah, it clicked for me the way he resonated with the team and with, with, with me and how he motivated everyone and inspired everyone. You know, it's something a good coach can do and also could also be very um, affirmative and uh, kind of, you know, setting a bigger bar to that the team was able to race towards um i just found like that this was an aspiration for me as well so um, i eventually got tpi certified in 2011 graduated Mm -hmm. the year after and then founded my company in 2015 in in holland so so five years at it now do you do you still use the tpi protocols and, and the scanning um, methodology of TPI? Yes, yes. I've used it, I think, maybe over a thousand golfers now because, I mean, it's almost a decade that I'm certified. And, yeah, I've used it over so many golfers and still use it today because, yeah, it's, it's super essential and it can eliminate a lot of unnecessary time and energy that you would spend otherwise on trying to fix something uh, but you really measure what you need to fix and it just tells you know if you're right or wrong and um, yeah I think it's super effective. It was interesting I had a TPI scan last year and so I went into that and and hadn't really done a lot of fitness for a while but I, I had an understanding of where my body is you know you don't get to my age and not have some level of understanding of you know, where your strengths and weaknesses are, and especially in relation to my golf swing. And it all came from looking at myself on in the golf swing. And I just slowed a few videos down and, you know, I'd take a few selfie swing vid type things. I'm one of those characters. And I looked at my driver swing and that's my strong part. And I thought, you know, there's something not right here. You know, there's not a lot of rotation. That lower half is starting to get a little bit slow. Obviously I'm you know getting older, but I really wanted to understand what that meant and how to improve it. And when I did the TPI scan, you know, all of the points that came out of that were like right on the, right on the point of everything that I thought was, and I got some really good information out of it and how to fix it. So um, very, very valuable process. Those years ago when you came back to, to Europe then, I can imagine that golf fitness was still relatively new. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I laugh, I laugh about it now, but it's, been a huge journey um, coming from North America, Canada to Holland and bringing golf fitness alive here. And, you know, it's, I, I, first of all, I think I was very struck the moment I arrived here and I saw no one was doing it. No one was, you know, training for golf. It was some of the, were professionals they were training a little bit fitness wise to improve their game but club level and junior um you know national junior selection teams they it wasn't happening so that um that struck me (laughs) because I, i was like how how can you not yeah see the benefits of it and nobody knew what it was so i created my mission to yeah to evolve the game by really um yeah driving the game forward by by really creating a strong and healthy golf community so and fast forward to now i mean 
times have changed and there's a huge movement now. Uh, everyone is talking about golf fitness and it's evolving super rapidly. Um, and one way I see it now, which is super different from when I started uh, my company, um, and when I started to um, yeah, raise the awareness of specific golf movement training, is that nowadays like teacher, golf teaching professionals and, and club community leaders, um, it's going to be extra important for them to, to stay ahead. Um, and yeah, I see that the club leaders now have the responsibility to bring the health and, and movement awareness into their club and into their program. Yeah, it's like now uh, we know the old golf culture and habits. They've long been, you know, outdated. And the latest research of golf fitness supports a lot of those resources. And I think at a club level, you can't withhold your members and your your clients any more of the hundreds of benefits that the you know that come along with golf specific movement training and routines so um yeah so my question is you know I, and i still think uh, it's evolving and growing it's it's much much more widely accepted now that you know to be better at golf you know you have this great opportunity by by doing golf specific training but there's still I think the smaller percentage of the golf market that actively participate in golf specific strength and conditioning training, is it ever too late to, to start? You know, I referred to myself as an old guy and, you know, I just made a decision last year to try and, you know, get better at it, but is it too late? My listeners, I don't know my, my the ages, you know, they've got some old guys, some young guys and a, a wide variety in between. But, you know, I think for the, the guys my age and thereabouts, you know, who, you know, may, you know, not be in the best shape, you know, it's never, is it too late? Back to that question. No, it's never, ever too late. Um, yeah, I, I hope everyone, yeah, I, I, can, I can reach or I can talk to or in, in your community, my community realizes and um, gets inspired by, yeah, just taking simple actions. It doesn't have to be super intense or complicated or excessive or big or huge. It's about taking a simple action step that um that you can do even when you've never gotten into specific golf training so um and that that's why i also believe there's still a long road ahead um there's still huge uh steps to be taken to you know especially on the physical but also on the mental aspect that golfers realize that their body and their mind is actually their most important club that they have and yeah i I think it it is evolving and it's thanks to a lot of professionals who you know drive also the game forward on their own specific way and that works for them but i think the biggest step to make is at the club amateur level and realizing that whatever situation you're in whatever your abilities are right now there is always always the next step that you can take to start increasing your health, your flexibility, your mobility that, um, yeah, will, will bring a lot of benefits to the game and also outside of the course. Just before we started, we had a little bit of chat about the current times and, you know, all of that. How has, how has the COVID period changed what you do in terms of how you look after your clients? You know, we talked, we're doing this via Zoom now. Obviously, you're in Amsterdam, I'm, I'm here in Australia. This ostensibly could be a training session. 
you know, I could be sitting yes. here and you could be, tra- how, how is it, you know, redefined and reshaped, you know, how you talk to your clients? Yeah, actually in a very positive way in that I now offer my one-on-one coaching remotely via Zoom. And that's, of course, opened up a, a huge amount of, it's, it's opened up the world because now I can coach golfers from wherever they are. That wouldn't have been like my first choice. Um, and it happened thanks to COVID. So that's one positive thing for me. But yeah, I, I think this, the, the fact that I've been coaching for nearly a decade brings my sessions to the next level. Because I'm aware of the elements that people usually struggle with or the way they move, what, you know, the, the tendencies are. I'm super aware of that. I can, I'm able to communicate that via Zoom. I can see it via Zoom. I can be super clear about it in the way I communicate and the way that I explain about the movements, how it should feel, where you should place your attention on. So it's actually, if I would have just standing next to you uh, only I'm not touching you I'm, I'm I'm not correcting you physically but I can help them understand as well about the movement about how they should feel in the movement about um, all the exercises in a very clear specific way so that's that's something I I'm very grateful for about the past 10 years of, of experience and now bring being able to bring that via zoom but also transferring the energy that I have because energy is so huge in my uh, coaching. I'm able to also bring that into the session, even if it's via Zoom. And that's, yeah, that's what I'm also very um, happy about because that brings a lot of perspective for me, being able to help more, more golfers around the world. Um, so when you say yeah. around the world, what, what, what's the map of your client base? You know, is it, does it span Europe? Does it span the world? And, and who, and then who are they? You know, are we, are we coaching any, you know, young elite people? Are we, have we got some old, older guys and girls and all that sort of thing? What sort of clients do you look after have, have come to you through being, you know, so forward thinking? Yes. Yes. Uh, I, I always, I always smile when I think of, of my clients because they're all, very different in ages but they're also very similar in the way that they all have that innate drive to create a change to be more positive to yeah create lasting change that have effect on their game in their performances but also in their lives and so i coach elite junior athletes, um, some top amateurs, uh, but also senior players that want to, you know, just really make the most out of it and also are competing at a high level. And then, yeah, I also coach club, uh, club level um, golfers who, yeah, really understand the benefit and um, the, the way that, you know, they're able to work for golf, um, in the fitness, in the gym, that can also that will also improve their life outside of it. Who are probably more like CEOs and and managers who have a busy lifestyle and, and yeah, learn from the way I train them for golf and they apply it in their work, which is amazing as well. I think 
Yeah, and then they're actually based all over the world. I have, uh, of course, Europe is my biggest, biggest group, but also the States, America, and um, a few in Asia. That's cool. That's great. <laughs> yes. You know, years ago, it was, you know, you look at Tiger, for example, and not, we're not going to go into a Tiger conversation, but, you know, like if you just generalize, maybe let's forget Tiger. You know, you had a lot of strength, you know, guys getting big, big reps, big muscles, massive gains. Is that important or, you know, is it more flexibility and mobility? Where, where do you see the balance in that? If someone's at home thinking, you know, I really should take action on what these guys are talking about, you know, do I need to just focus on building some, you know, doing the reps or am I doing other stuff? Yes. First of all, it all depends on, of course, the personal situation, the background, and eventually what the TPI screening will, will tell you. So there's no one fits all program theory, but in the end, there's some, a lot of us think, and there's a huge myth that you have to choose between being flexible and choose between being strong. Mm-hmm. But that's not true. You can be strong and flexible at the same time and um, I think that's something that I can it's very prominent in my programs uh, using yoga but also um, different techniques to yeah to really dive into strength but also mobility flexibility and be able to uh, connect those two you know in the way that I train my golfers so yeah you don't have to choose it doesn't have to be either strength or flexibility you can have both and it's a matter of understanding the situation the way your body is right now what your goal is of course as well uh if your goal is just to stay healthy maintain uh create some extra energy vitality in your life and on the course or if your goal is to you know play competitively you'll have to train differently as well but yeah it's it's Usually it also diverts a little bit towards men having extra benefits from more flexibility training and women having more benefits from strength training. And that's something that I always, when I walk in a gym and I see all the women doing yoga and all the men doing lifting weights, you know, it should generally speaking be vice versa. Yes, because it's, it's super beneficial to, to train what usually the weakest spot is so if strength is your uh, strength then uh, if you have big muscles uh, see if you can you know add a little bit more flexibility mobility to it because whenever there's one area that's prominent and more stronger in the body whether it be uh, strength or flexibility there's this balance and whenever there's this balance in the body that will cause eventually injuries down the road it will lead to inefficient transfer to the swing to the game and to your health and vitality you started to touch on a few times there and you mentioned yoga and you know seeing the ladies doing yoga and the men's pumping some iron it's an area for me you know when i look into you know just health and well-being in general that yoga is becoming a more commonly, not commonly accepted, that's not the right way, but a more common um, practice. And, you know, I have a very good friend who's a top-level elite AFL uh, player, one of the captains of one of the teams, and we play a bit of golf together, and he had two successive knee reconstructions. And he, he applied yoga in a very big, and Pilates um, is a very big part of his recovery program. So I think when you see people like elite athletes doing yoga, it becomes more 
widely people have become curious about it. So how have you implement, implemented that into your programs and, and what was the journey for yoga and how do you see it panning out for someone like me, for example, you know, with the mat out there, what does that look like? Yes. It's funny because actually yoga uh, was invented 5,000 years ago by men and for men and of course had a huge uh, development in Western uh, society, but uh top elite uh, athletes and, and CEOs from big corporate businesses, they, and people that, you know, have mental pressure and, and need to perform on a daily basis, they all implement it. It's just, yeah, if we, if we can also start doing it, like you're saying, it's, it's going to be also super beneficial and it's available nowadays, mm-hmm. way more accessible to, um, to anyone. I think than it used to be for, for me, I think um, it's also played a huge role in my life, of course, Mm -hmm. um, because I was dealing with a lot of pressure to perform and to behave or especially on the course, um, but also outside of it. Yeah. To perform and to maintain a high level of of expectation, the bar that I set yoga really helped me to calm, (laughs) calm my mind in that. But yeah, it's, it's about, of course, the mind in yoga, but also the body. You know, you create a greater adaptability of preparing the body for the physical demands of the swing, which is actually super explosive and one-sided. It's rotational and places so much demands on the swing. So um, both body and mind, you can um, yeah, help that with, with yoga techniques. Do you practice any other methodologies for you know helping your clients with their mindset towards golf you know because for me mindset is another thing that i had to look towards um shifting to become maintain or become a better golfer and i think i haven't become a better golfer through you know practicing some you know mental performance strategies but it's helped me certainly maintain and i haven't had that high and low fluctuation when i talk about performance and you know you judge that by handicap and it's certainly helped me but so do you incorporate other parts of the mental game in your work or is that something that's really important to you? Yes, uh, it's super important and essential. And already by implementing yoga, mm-hmm. we are already touching on the mind, of course, because I don't see it as two separate things, just a right. mind, just a body. And I think with yoga, those two can combine and unite a little bit more. And what we do within that to also improve the mind is working on breathing, body awareness, uh, resetting the nervous system. And then, of course, I have some specific exercises for creating, um, yeah, a, a more resilient mindset. But just, yeah, just to touch a little bit of, upon, like, for example, the breath, you know, it's something that we practice in yoga, you know, learning how to breathe proper, properly and I see that no matter what you, you know, what your handicap is or how much you exercise or how many golf lessons you have or uh, how much weight you're able to lift, nothing actually really matters if you're not breathing properly. Yeah, so that we learn to breathe more effectively through yoga and but through that, any changes that happen in our body and in our mind are, uh, and as well in our nervous system will be mirrored in our breathing and any changes in our breathing will be mirrored in the state of our body and of our mind. 
So that's why I don't see them as two separate elements. Mm -hmm. I just understanding the way you breathe right now, um, being able to observe a little bit more of the, of the breath. And then you're talking more in towards the meditation <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, part of, of yoga and of the mindset is that, yeah, actually every thought that you have, every emotion um, or any mental um, action that's going on is accompanied by yeah, a sensation in the body and sitting a little bit more stiller or within the pose that you're in from yoga, you learn to observe those physical sensations you observe the physical sensations you learn to observe the way you breathe without controlling or regulating it at some times and um you learn to observe it without attaching to it or without liking or disliking and that gives rise to a new, whole new different way of being more present in the moment so <laughs> it's certainly something that uh you should go and investigate and, and I'm sure whether that, you know, people could contact you and, and learn how, how would someone, if someone listens to this and they're in this part of the world and they thought, you know what, I'm, I'm interested in this and you know, I'm going to, I want, I would like to talk to Elizabeth about, you know, having a yoga program. Can they do that? Yes, of course. Anyone can reach out to me uh, via DM on Instagram um, and uh um, or, or my website you can contact me there's a contact page anyone can reach out to me that's uh, that's no problem and um, I always hope to uh, bring more awareness to the fact that yeah again whatever your ability whatever your situation you're in or circumstances you can progress and move forwards I've worked with um golfers who uh, from the disabled team and they were they weren't able to move much i've worked with seniors like seniors 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 and they're still playing golf and i'm not able to uh at that moment in time with those specific golfers i can't increase a lot of strength or flexibility because they're not able to you know, move a lot because um their bodies aren't uh yeah they're um uh yeah they're just not able to move physically they can't but the one thing that anyone can do right now and one thing that uh whatever age as well we can start to get better at is breathing mm. we all breathe and we think of it as a natural thing physiological thing that's happening but it's not it's a tool to, to, you know, to increase performance. It's a tool to become calmer if that's what you need. It's a tool to remain a little bit more, less reactive on the course if that's what you're struggling with. So, yeah. It made a lot of sense when you said about the, you know, the, the body and the mind controlling the breathing and then the breathing controlling the body and the mind. And, you know, in that moment, it became very clear to me that, you know, and I just thought about anxiety and pressure and stress and how that comes out and manifests as, bre as breathing patterns. And, you know, you, I just had a picture in my mind that it was fast and, and quick and all that. But then when you concentrate on your breathing, you know, the, the, the thought process starts to dull away or nullify and, you know, you can become a bit more focused on the golf shot in that example. Yeah, that was perfect. Hey, 
Lisbeth, um, you know, in your website, you know, I was quite intrigued about uh, your, your articles. You know, you've got some wonderful articles in there. And, uh, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and without, without going through them all, if you were to say to, you know, the listeners, jump onto my website at lpgolfperformance.nl and read these three articles, what would they be? I think the one about um, how you think you're training golf fitness, but actually you're not. I think it's hopefully an eye-opening thing, and it's something that I am always trying to um, yeah, create more awareness of, in that we think we're doing a good job, but actually, in fact, we're not, and you're losing time, you're not doing anything effective and you're trying to do your best of course i know because mm -hmm. you want to take the steps but you're not doing it um with that amount of detail to it which i explain in the article so um yeah if you're training for golf fitness make sure that it's uh that it has that purpose of in improving your game and improving uh, your overall mindset and well-being because it any training should leave you more prepared to, to be on the course and not reverse. So I talk a little bit about that in that article. Um, I have um, a few that are really good in resources um, where I share some tips and tricks, which are always something that golfers not expect to hear mm -hmm. because they think it's going to be something expensive or something yeah uh, more time consuming but they're actually not and i think it's the one where i share on the course so uh looking into um my i can't remember how it's called it's i think it's called the uh, yeah losing energy from mistakes that a lot of golfers make what's the synopsis the five minute synopsis on tiger woods on his latest training sessions and what he can implement from it what was what's that because i know i've got a few tiger fans that listen so if they're going to go <laughs> great the, what's the what's the five minute synopsis on the tiger woods article well tiger is tiger i mean he's the best for a reason or he you know he's one of the greatest and in that article in that article i explain about how he stated that he used his physical training sessions where he yeah, broke mental barriers went through physical barriers where he had to throw up and kind of almost navy seal type that's what i'm getting into my mind is that's his type of training you know breaking the barriers you're not giving up you're going through it you're until you puke and you don't stop and maybe that works maybe for him and i don't know if it's totally true if that's what he does but i know a lot of golfers want to follow him and i know he's a leader uh, of the industry so with that i just wanted to be um, introduce like, Hey, stay mindful and really think about what he's saying. Mm. It doesn't work for anyone, for, for, for everyone, especially if fitness and if golf has been your, your main source of income, <laughs> you know, we, um, do you think, so, do you yeah. think he got it wrong at the start and, and now he's got it right? Uh, when he started uh, to lift weights, you mean? Yeah. Um, I don't think he got it wrong because maybe there, at that time, there wasn't much available. You know, mm. that's, he did what I think, or his trainers did what they knew at that time was proper. Um, and since then, of course, there's been tons of research out, tons of 
um, yeah, real life as well examples that the way he he trained is not super effective. And he trained, I like to call it like more of the bodybuilding style. Mm. It's, yeah, it doesn't promote mobility. It shortens the muscles and that's the least thing you want in golf. You want to be able to move agile, be quick, be explosive, have that flexibility. And that's super demanding of the swing. So yeah, I don't, I don't think he did it wrong, wrong, because they didn't maybe know at that time any yeah. different. Yeah, they couldn't, so. they couldn't foresee the future and, and, and potentially what happened to his body may have been contributed by, you know, lifting heavy weights all the time. Who knows? I'm, you know, I'm not the expert and certainly, you know, wouldn't make judgment. But yeah, it was, it, yeah, you're, you're right. What about the current crop of uh, golfers? Who do, you, who do you look up to when you look at the LPGA or the PGA Tour guys, the European Tour guys, whoever? Um, who do you think is doing a really fine job in their fitness, their mindfulness, their health state, all of that? Who do you look up to in that space? Yeah, McElroy actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I just read an article on uh, on Golf Digest where he said, "Look, I'm not falling into that trap of and that myth of um, having to work harder to make it on to progress on tour and to be better on tour. It's a myth." But he just said, I, what works for me is to really um, stop having a lot of swing thoughts and stop investing in my swing technique, but really focus on my, my mindset, on my ment- mental um, resilience and just the course management. And that works for me. So I really look up to him in that way. Um, I think he's got it. He's, he's, got, he's got the physical but he's also, and I share that same, I, I know he's interested in a lot of philosophy as well. He reads and with, a, with what he just stated on the Golf Digest article, I just, I think he's got it in that yeah. way, combining both performance, but being true to who you are and not falling into the traps of the expectations and the myths I think the myth of having to throw up on every session will make you stronger. It's, it's not true. <laughs> and congratulations to Rory on the birth of his baby too, by the way, that's uh, absolutely, awesome yeah, absolutely. for him and his wife. Um, okay. So we can't have a golf fitness conversation and you're probably going to roll your eyes, but you know, what about your thoughts on, you know, Bryson, because it's very topical. It's, Every Twitter, every tweet, every Instagram post, you know, everyone's talking about Bryson. Is it right? Is it wrong? Everyone's got an opinion. But what do you think about that? What do you see? I see that there's a whole lot of discussion going on that actually could actually be a lot better. I mean, why is everyone talking about is it right or is it wrong if for on the club level, you know, because golfers on a club level want to, you know, role him, use him as a role model. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of critique of why it's not going to work. But if for a club amateur that he is inspiring them to take action, to, to be more stronger, to, to be stronger, to, to lift a little bit more weight, you know, why aren't we focusing on that, on those benefits that are, that are super beneficial? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I think there's a lot of critique on him personally. Will it work? Will it not work? While all of the energy should be invested in, look, what he's doing, you know, it's great for your 
body is great for your your health to be in super strong shape it's you know that's that's got tons of benefits and tons of health yeah promotion that could get a could more that is a, yeah. that is a very positive uh, take to to consider when talking about Bryson because most people have an opinion and and I think you you're spot on you hit the nail on the head and it's very uh, very good because you know be inspired by what he's doing and take what he's doing as a reason to change and, and make some progress and, and, you know, implement that into your own life. So that's a, a very. Exactly. And, and be, be mindful of, you know, what works for him might not work for you, but yep. take in the, indeed his inspiration to, to work out. That's, that's awesome. You know, getting stronger has never been bad for a person. Uh, it's never been bad for your health. Um, it's only looking at an effective way to implement it and work and doing it in a way that works for you, your situation, your goals, your life. While you're inspired to do it, also understand that your body might need a little bit of longer uh, um, warming up to it. Because I know there's a lot of men that always, and women who get into the gym feeling inspired. Yes, I'm going after it, doing it. And um, then the body breaks down because we override it because we're too excited, too, too pumped up to, uh, to not do it. And then there's also a lot of um, downside to that, but really taking it as an inspiration and reaching out to your, yeah, your experts in the area, um, to anyone who knows, who understands the swing, who understands the demands of the game, of the body, um, and talk to them and, and find out how you can use that to your advantage. Beautiful. Do you still get out for Gamba Golf yourself? You're still having a little hit on the course when you can? Yes, I do, but not often. <laughs> not on the, Not often, but when I do, I... Um, I enjoy it so much because, yeah, like, like I said, it was a time when I was very insecure about my game. I felt so much pressure to perform within the norm of what everyone else and myself expected of me. And I felt sometimes ashamed, you know, afraid to hit a ball because, you know, what, what will people think of me? And now I, I rose above that you know that limiting belief and that limiting yeah um thing that was holding me back and now i enjoy the nine holes and some beautiful courses here in holland and spain and um yeah i just enjoy it and i prefer to play when it's of course a little bit nicer and make sure that i have good company and that i um but the way that i see it is even though I don't play a lot because I invest and spend a lot of energy and, and time. I mean, I do this full time. So all of my, my other time is learning about the body is coaching uh, golfers, but also, um, yeah, the, uh, education wise, you know, I, I publish articles, I write articles, I uh, publish instructions. So in the end, if I see my golfers playing, that's when I am feel the most fulfillment. It's not from my game anymore. I, I mean, I enjoy it and I love it, but when I see my golfers out there and I see them and I see what we've worked for and or they show me their swing or tell me the story of how they conquered their club championship and 
you know, that just for me that that's my personal fulfillment, and I just feel inspired by by them. So it's 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 a common thing. It's a, I think it's a common theme with those of us that you know invest our life into the golf industry that come from a golfing background that you know tend to you know put their own personal golf pursuits for this for the side for the benefit of getting the enjoyment of others and people that you know they share that with um and watching them be successful at it so yeah i i understand so how do you how do you spend your downtime away from you know all of your work which is golf related how do you spend your downtime um i go to the beach with my dog uh take long hikes uh, spend be be in nature that that's basically um what i love doing and just feel so refreshed after it but also meeting with my with my friends and um yeah also actually a lot of time is also into seeing my coaches so um, making sure i have a session with my coaches and that they're able to look at my situation and help me move forward where I want to move. And that's both on a mental and, and physical side. And then, um, yes, the cooking, uh, baking and doing yoga and listening to music, just enjoying the simple things actually. And the connection of the people around me and the connection with, with nature that, that those are my, my go-tos basically. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Well, listening to it, it sounds wonderfully relaxing from my end. I, I feel a little bit more relaxed just even listening to it. So, um, <laughs> well, I'm, sure, I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm sure if everyone takes a little bit of that and, and can incorporate that into their own life outside of golf, but also the lessons that we've learned from you today and your thoughts and your, your guidance around how people can influence, um, impart um, golf specific training into their, their world to get better at golf and to have a better you know, mental output and a mental disposition around golf and just be healthy in enjoying their golf i think that's a, a really positive thing to be able to do and you know you've given us a lot of great information there for people to listen to today and i appreciate it thank you very much uh thank you you're uh, you're very welcome and yes i i hope and i wish that you know after this conversation you uh you feel inspired to take action to um to really go after your your dreams and to take really good care of your body and your mind because those are your most and most expensive and most important tools and clubs in the bag. Wonderful. And thank you very much. Lisbeth Powers, <laughs> thank you very much for joining us on the My Love of Golf podcast. It's been a joy and a pleasure. Thank you for your time over there in Amsterdam, here in Melbourne. And uh, I look forward to putting this episode out and letting everyone you know, share your wonderful insights and please I'll put all the, the notes where you can find Lisbeth in the, the show notes on Instagram, beautiful Instagram page and a wonderful website with some great resources and articles in there. And you really should go and check that out and see what one of Europe's leading golf specific fitness, strength and conditioning, yoga mindset coaches <laughs> has been able to bring to the guys and girls throughout Europe. Um, go and check out Lisbeth and uh, Lisbeth have a wonderful day. And thank uh, you. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful.